Welcome everyone, Siege Mentality Podcast here, episode 29. It is towards the end of August, which means it is peak draft season. So, to talk about drafting your fantasy teams and to go through a league that we drafted together with with a bunch of industry experts, it's none other than FantasyGuru.com's Tyler Beaker. What's going on, Tyler? How are you? Yo, what's up, man? Happy to be here. We are in the heart of draft season, as you just said, late August doing best ball drafts, doing redraft drafts, home leagues, all kinds of different things. So it's, it's a busy season right now, pumping out the content over on Elite Fantasy and Fantasy Guru, tons and tons of football content. And I can't wait for week one. We're, we're right around the corner and I cannot wait for it to get here. I gotta be honest, I, the, week one, I know for most people, they're like, you know, we are now, what is it, six days away, five days away from the first game? No. Yeah, right around the corner. Uh, no, no, it's a no, week and a half. It's a week and a half. Week and a half. That's right. There's that extra week between the preseason this year. God, it's that's good. I was thinking like I only had like three or four best ball days. I got like another eleven days till I go to Vegas. So yeah, it's it's crazy. God, I can't believe it's right here already. But yeah, you can find Tyler's work, of course, over at FancyGuru and EliteFantasy.com. So we did a uh, best ball tournament over on FFPC, and I will include the link to the draft board uh, in the podcast description and in the tweet. And, of course, if you want to draft one of these bad boys on yourselves, they still have a Best Ball 2 version over at FFPC, 50,000 to first. This one is the one of the few last teams in the first version, which has 100,000 to first. So, for those of you unfamiliar with the FFPC format, it is 18 rounds. There are no kickers and defenses in this format. One and a half times point per reception for tight ends, which makes the things a little interesting. So, with that, Tyler, let's just get started. We drew the fifth pick. For just generally speaking, fifth pick, high, low on your preference, total bowl? Yeah, normally it's really high because I think you can leave the draft with one of the top five backs or if you want to get crazy, especially in this FFPC format, you can get Kelsey, which, I mean, typically he'll go anywhere from the second pick to the fourth. I've seen him go number one overall as well. Uh, so if we were able to get him at number five, that was the ideal situation in this tight end premium format, getting Kelsey at five. That didn't exactly come to fruition, but... I'm not, I'm not upset with the number five pick. I thought we had some good outlets here, and uh, I, I like what we did. Yeah, so, you know, I I, I had I didn't think we'd get Kelsey, but I have to admit, as soon as uh, Zeke went third, I, I, I thought we might have had a – I was like, oh, the dream's alive. Like, maybe they just have Henry over Kelsey. And then, like, I think the 20 minutes they picked Kelsey, and I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, so we went with a back that I, I don't, don't have a ton of, and Derek Henry here. We took him over Eckler. We definitely took him over Saquon. Uh, Kamara – is probably like the other back we probably took him over. I I don't know. Like to me, this is a dead spot for me. Like I think there's a bunch of backs that are pretty similar. Now none of them would have come back to us. So the way taking one it ended up working fine. But I'm not super pumped with Henry. Like he's fine, but I'm not like jumping up and down for him. I mean, like over the last two years, only CMC and Dalvin have had more 25 plus PPR outings than Henry. And in this like setting where we don't need to start lineups, I, I love Henry in these best ball tournaments because we can just capitalize on the spike weeks and the weeks where he goes for 80 yards, no touchdowns and one catch. Like, okay, whatever. We have other backs that can uh, get us by that week. So I, I like him specifically in this best ball format. And that's why I think a top five pick in a best ball scenario is better than a top five in a redraft scenario where you're stuck with the, the seven to eight point outings. Um, 
sandwiched in between 35 plus ones. Yeah, absolutely. So we went with Derek Henry. Um, and, and then, you know, typical snake format, we drew, what is that? Uh, 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, pick 20. Um, this was pretty simple because uh, Devontae Adams fell in this room. Uh, I believe we had the Aaron Rodgers news by this point, didn't we? I'm not sure, actually. It might have been close. But for us, it was pretty simple. Like, it, it was either Adams or Ridley, and we knew that only one of them was going to get to us. <laughs> right? I, I think it was pretty simple at this point for us. We didn't really have another option. Right, and it's kind of frustrating because we were like one pick off hitting the absolute nuts with the Kelsey Adams start. I thought that would have been fantastic in this tournament <sighs> setting. That would have been unreal. Uh, Derrick Henry Calvin, not bad consolation prizes. I mean, Ridley really strong chance of being the number one wide receiver this year, especially now with Julio out of Atlanta. I, I do like this pick here. I, I do think Adams would have been the preferred option here, but getting Ridley is not a bad consolation prize. Yeah. If we, had, you know, if it, it's a room had fallen a little bit differently and we had been stuck with Hopkins, I, I, I wouldn't have been too upset. Like I'd have those guys. It's kind of like the end of my tier one, you know, Hill digs, Adams, Ridley Hopkins. And that's kind of where I draw it off. I have Metcalf kind of in his own little bit of his own tier. I think he's okay. I still just a little worried about Pete Carroll doing Pete Carroll things. Yeah. The only bad thing about this spot, this number five spot, is we kind of draw dead in terms of getting an elite tight end. And that's really what I've been trying to hammer all offseason, just having that bully. Especially we, we, in the we, tight we, end we got an elite tight end. Don't you worry. We got the number two tight end this year. We got the number two. He's, he's going to feast out this year. Uh, so third pick, I basically slammed my fist against the table and said, we're taking Kyle Pitts, and this is really the end of the conversation. Um, I am the Kyle Pitts guy. I just can't stop watching that Alabama game. Like anytime I, I start having doubts about Kyle Pitts, I turn on the Alabama game, which is gonna be played which was played ironically in his new home stadium, Mercedes Benz. And they were just double teaming and triple teaming the entire game. And it doesn't matter. Like he's just going up there and just being like it I reminded me of Megatron with his hands. It twists his body, he'll go, he'll grab the ball, he'll bring it in, and it's just like it's, it's, it's different. Like, in some college teams, it's like, okay, you're playing scrubs. But, you know, I'm looking at this video. I'm like, he went in the second round. He went in the first round. He went in the third round. Like, I, he's just a freak. And I think that people are just – they didn't see him in the preseason. Like, they didn't play him, which is sign number one to me that they're just absolutely going to just use him all season long. I love Arthur Smith's offense for tight ends. We saw it in the past. The play-action game. He's going to play some slot. Ah. I love him. I really do. Yeah, and the thing about him is he's not going to be that traditional inline tight end. He's going to be in the slot. He'll be out wide, and he'll be this number two pass-catching option here in Atlanta. So I love the idea of a team that we project to play fast and pass frequently in Atlanta getting two heavy hitters here with Ridley and Pitts. Pitts is a guy, like you said, Henry wasn't a player that you have overly invested. I can say the same for Pitts for me. I, he just hasn't been a player I've gravitated towards because normally he's going this high, this round three, round four range. And he's just generally, I think round three is the sweet spot for wide receivers. So I'm just generally going wide receiver there, avoiding the running backs, avoiding Mahomes. I'm avoiding the the tight ends in general. So I thought it was a good way to mix up my exposure. And I, I like the idea of double dipping in Atlanta. Yeah. So, I mean, without the premium, like I won't take him until DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods come off the board. Like, I, I will take those type of receivers. So, like, even the third-round guys, too, we took them over in this premium format. Like, Allen, Robinson, McLaurin, Godwin, Cooper, Woods, Moore, Lockett. I wouldn't take them over any of those in just a standard tight end league. Mm. Uh, just because, for me, I, I just think that that's, you know, I, I, that's a little too aggressive. 
I, I do think that, you know, I think this time next year he could go where George Kittle goes. I think that's totally possible. I, I do. I think he could be a round two, round three guy. But right. And when you're investing in, like, these elite tight ends, I think you need to tell yourself a story where that happens, where these guys jump up to that elite tier. If you're investing in a round three through five tight end, you're making the case where you think that guy hits their optimal range of outcomes, hitting their ceiling, and jumps up to that Kelsey, Waller, Kittle group. God, it's just, man, I just, at that first week matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles and their linebackers and safeties, I, I could see a seven for 101. And then DraftKings normally does these week two on best balls. I could easily see him being a one-two turn guy after the first week. <laughs> I, I, I love him. And so he, he was kind of my slam the table guy. Um, I, 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 in this format too, to me, he's the last of the elite tight ends. After that, there's a pretty big drop off for me. I am not on TJ Hawkinson Island. Mark Andrews is okay when he falls to the fifth, but like I'm not going to press him. And in this format, you know someone was going to press him. So, yeah, I, I'm happy with what we did here. Um, purple in this format with the tight end premium in the PPR is, is super helpful. And it left us a lot of flexibility, which I think we got to use in the next round. Uh, not as many wide receivers went off as I thought. Like, I was surprised that we actually had a choice between DJ Moore and Tyler Lockett in round four. Yeah, not complaining at all. I thought more Julio Lockett, Cooper Cup. I was kind of into all of those guys right there in that range. Moore being my favorite. He's a guy I've been trying to target as much as I can this offseason. Like, leaving my draft with a Carolina receiver as a priority. And I think DJ Moore is a guy that can do it all. Like, he is, he's been phenomenal to start his career, despite playing with some really, really poor quarterbacks. I don't know if it's a huge upgrade in Sam Darnold, but I do know that Joe Brady's offense is going to really help him. And he'll continue to be a, a prolific guy in terms of what we want for our fantasy scores, guys that offer high floors and high ceilings. Like only Stefan Diggs and Calvin Ridley had more 90 plus yard outings than DJ Moore last year. Like, I don't think it's unfeasible to see Moore taking on an expanded role and maybe those 90 yard outings reaching the 100 and century yard mark this year. Yeah, Sam Donald's better. I, I saw a report this morning that they're finalists for Deshaun Watson, and I went, did they watch the game last night where Sam Donald was like, unbelievable did i miss the memo i was like why are they being rumored to deshaun watson like what yeah those seemed outdated i didn't i didn't put much stock into that <laughs> i didn't either that felt like the uh-oh the eagles just traded for like the eagles were our only hope and they just traded for Minshew and said uh-oh uh-oh now we're stuck let's pick some teams out of a hat <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. i'm not putting much stock in that I, I, I'm, I, it's I, wheels I, up for dj Moore, man God, it's wheel. it's also just wheels up for sam Darnold too uh, of course, he had to go off last night. Like, I almost got through the entire preseason without Sam Donald's ADP rising. And of course, the very last chance he has to raise his ADP, he does so. Uh, let's move on to the round five pick. I think this is a pick where, I don't know. I think if you had asked me after round nine, I would have said this was a mistake. But after round, like, after looking at back now how the rest of the draft played out, I think it worked out okay. Lamar Jackson here. It was interesting because Dak went as QB3, and it kind of left us in an interesting spot knowing the quarterback run was about to happen behind us. So we can either get one or we're going to get left out in the cold. Right, and I think Jackson here is a guy who can finish as the quarterback one, which is an outlandish to say. He did it in 2019. 2020 was a down year, a lot of inefficiencies in terms of his passing and his uh, uh, catching as well from his receivers. There were so many drops there in the in that uh, Baltimore offense last year, a reason why they went out and aggressively added wide receivers through the draft and through free agency. Granted, 
everybody in Baltimore is injured that plays wide receiver right now. But hopefully that'll be uh, more of a short-term issue and then a long-term one here. Because even if they do enter with like James Proch as a starting receiver, I mean, that just means I think more rushing opportunities for Lamar Jackson and more targets to Mark Andrews, who can't be any worse than he was last year, who I think Mark Andrews is in for a rebound year as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do like the idea of Jackson here. I do think we could have gone with another receiver, continued our modified zero RB build here with Derrick Henry as our anchor guy. But I don't mind the Jackson pick looking back on it now. Yeah, I think it's like if I think it's okay. I'm it's not okay. Sure. Yeah, it's okay. I think T. Higgins or Jamar Chase was probably like the game theory optimal approach. True. Get us our third that get us but you know the problem is the the backup quarterbacks in this room got pressed higher than I was expecting. I think that was the biggest thing. Like we got caught with Matt Ryan, we got caught on Darnold because we set up a double stack, double stack here with Robbie Anderson in round six. Um, to me, this was pretty simple. He's kind of the end of a tier, and there was only one guy left. Like I'm not on Devonta Smith Island. I don't think I have like 500 drafts. I don't have a single share of Devonta Smith. I don't get the Devonta Smith thing. If you'd like to tell me what I'm missing, I, I would love to hear it. Well, Heisman winner. I mean, minimal targets in terms of Philadelphia that he needs to contend for in terms of the other receivers but, there. But there are, though. Rager, Ertz, Goddard. Like, Ertz is still there, and he's going to get a bunch of targets. They're going to play him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not making a bullish case right here because oh. be I like Jalen Hurts just as a quarterback where it's more like uh, – Rummy used to say uh, – um, Syrup over pancakes. <laughs> that was the saying he used to say on Twitter all the time. And uh, that's basically meaning taking the quarterback instead of the individual pieces. And I, I think that applies really well to Jalen Hurts, who can spread the ball around pretty well. I'm not in, I'm not investing in the individual pieces in Philadelphia for that reason. I'm solely just targeting Hurts. So I'm not bullish on Devonta Smith either. I'm not really bullish on any single individual pieces in Philly. Interesting. Yeah, I, 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 like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm afraid. I'm not afraid to take the discount on Rager or Ertz. Goddard was one I thought like, oh, they're going to trade Ertz, and I just. I've abandoned ship. I want no part of Dallas Goddard now. Yeah, but we have I, to. I mean, Ertz is still there. We have to. Ertz, if you had to guess, who finishes with more receptions, Goddard or Ertz? I think it's going to be really close, actually. I do too. Which is unfortunate. Me too. Unless you, unless you drafted Ertz round 16, 17, 18. I have a bunch. I have a bunch. I, I got on that train. I was like, you know, this trade to Buffalo that they've been rumoring for like six months has still not happened. Maybe I should grab some late, some late Ertz shares while I still can. He's still going really late. I, I'm just that's one of the players I just kind of thought would just keep rising and rising and rising. Like, why are tight ends like Eric Ebron and Jared Cook and Rob Gronkowski going over Ertz? To me, it just makes no sense. But we'll see. There's still time. But true, that's, true. But that we the, did. That's I like what right. we set up though here in terms of what you just said. That the Atlanta stack with Ridley and Pitts and the Carolina stack as well with Moore and Anderson. We gave ourselves two different outs in terms of stacking with their quarterbacks and. We were only six rounds in, but we di we didn't need Matt Ryan or um, Sam Darnold to be our QB one because we invested in Lamar. Having just a two quarterback build made sense here in an eighteen round format, and uh, I think both those guys would have been serviceable QB twos. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I like how you. Uh, yeah, we didn't end up with either one. Um, shockingly enough, it it wasn't like we were we were happy to jump them, but we didn't have like someone just was willing to jump them farther than we were. Yep. Um, the quarterback twos just flew off the board, which is why, like in retrospect, I'm very happy to get Lamar in the mid fifth, just given the price on just about everybody else. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins in round thirteen, Baker Mayfield in round thirteen, Zach Wilson in round thirteen, Tua in round fourteen. I don't mind that one necessarily as much, but you, you know, it was just like wow, the, the these backup quarterbacks just flew off the board. 
so that was definitely something that was nice. It allowed us to just having that stud, we were able to pound the wide receiver positions, which is what we did in round seven, eight, and nine. Uh, we took Tyler Boyd. Uh, we took Tyler Boyd over Debo, I would say, and Gallup. I think those were kind of the three guys that we were kind of considering there. Correct. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Boyd, again, like the Carolina Panthers offense, I want to invest in a piece of the Cincinnati Bengals offense as well. And we missed out on Higgins opting to go with Lamar Jackson. So Boyd here makes sense. I mean, Bengals, they're very fast paced. They're uh, they're among the league leaders in pass rate and situation neutral game scripts. And they lead the league in three receiver sets. Like Boyd's going to be on the field. He's going to be running routes. There's going to be opportunity there. Yeah, that, that's an offense and a team I just think is going to be better than people think. I, I really do. Just Joe Burrow is really good. And I Like you, I, I I went into draft lists, or drafts at this time at least, with uh, uh, three goals. Get a Bengal, get a Panther, and get a Bronco. Now, ever since Teddy Bridgewater has been named the starter, we can go ahead and just erase the Broncos <laughs> part. Um, and I think it saved myself from myself on this one. Just like Pat Shermer's terrible, and yeah, he's still gonna be terrible. It doesn't matter how many weapons he's got there. So I, it might have just saved myself for myself, you know? Like, oh, mm-hmm. I had all these grander dreams of Drew Locke, and good job, by the way, talking us into Jameis over Locke on this team. Uh, so, but it was I had dreams of grandeur, and it's just like, no, Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio still suck. So <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad we didn't end up with a Bronco on this team, as it turns out. But yeah, uh, Boyd round seven, totally fine. Uh, Pittman round eight. This was pre Wentz news, but Wentz looks like he's gonna be back now. I am back on my Michael Pittman train. I've said he's gonna win someone a million dollars this season, whether it be best ball, whether it be DFS. Um, as a Notre Dame guy, it really hurts me to admit that someone from USC is good, let alone competent. But Michael Pittman is very good at football, and this is gonna be the trendy breakout that actually breaks out. He he's gonna be in the DJ Moore range next year in drafts. Yeah, I do worry about the volume here, but what he offers relative to the other Colts receivers, like T.Y. Hilton's five foot nine, Paris Campbell six foot out, like Michael Pittman is six four two twenty, like he's a beast. He's going to be their vertical guy, their red zone guy. I like this call. Like I don't have a ton of Pittman myself because of typically I think this is a great idea, a great area to look at uh, a, either a tight end or a quarterback in most drafts. But Pittman, I, I kind of like it here with this build that we're doing here in terms of hammering wide receivers right now. Yeah, so so this is how my team. Since I normally pay up for a, like an elite tight end, I don't have to worry about that in this round. Like I don't need a Logan Thomas, a Tyler Hickby, a Robert Tunyon, or anyone in those type of ranges. Mm-hmm. So for me, I I tend to be getting a lot of Pittman because I can pound the receivers here. But yeah, I I I'm really high on him, and if he busts, I'll be pretty surprised. I I him busting requires Carson Wentz to get hurt. I think. I just don't know how Carson once plays most of a season and Pittman be bad. I'd be really surprised if that happened. Yeah, I mean, most people don't like acknowledge that the Eagles entered the year down their all-pro right guard, Brandon Brooks, and then lost so many offensive linemen throughout the season. Like They had the most different iterations of starting offensive linemen of any team in the league last year, constantly rotating guys in at left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Like There was just consistent rotations there really hard to get anything going there for that Eagles offense last year. So I do think with an improved offensive line here, I really wish that uh, Anthony Costanzo hadn't retired from the Colts. Like having that left tackle would have been phenomenal for Wentz's projected output for this year. But still, I think the Colts offense is one we can invest in. And Wentz is a guy who I wouldn't be shocked if he outperformed expectations. I'm not super bullish. I, I know like Jeff Manzes and Armando Marsala is on our squad over at Fancy Guru, but 
I, I do see a path where the Colts are better than what we expect offensively. Yeah, I just think it's going to be – I think their passing game is going to be a lot better than people think. I think people are just like, oh, they're going to run it 450, 500 times. I'm just like, that doesn't really seem – like, why would you go get Carson Wentz to do that, right? You run – you want to have a good back to run the play action, but, yeah, I think the passing game is going to be a little bit better in Indy than people give it credit for. That That's kind of – and AFC South, too, you always get good weather and domes, so that's always helpful, too. So, yeah, I, I like Pittman. Round 9, best ball darling – Best ball guy you'd love to have, Will Fuller. You know he's going to have three or four weeks where he puts up 25-plus. I don't need to figure out when the hell they ever play him. It, it Will Fuller, for me, is like a best ball-only player. Just draft him in best ball, get as much exposure to him as you want in best ball formats, and then in a redraft league, don't even go within 25 feet of him. <laughs> he was an absolute tank last year, though. That's what was exciting about Fuller. We finally saw Hopkins now in Arizona. Fuller being that wide receiver one for Houston. Granted, he's going from a different quarterback now from Watson to Tua, but I do believe Fuller is a guy that we saw steps of it last year. I believe he was a top 10 fantasy, fantasy wide receiver by the time he was injured or by, by, time, by the time of the suspension, excuse me. Um, again, he's missing the first two games of this year. That carries over, but I, I like Fuller in the best ball format. Like I, I, it's a low-hanging fruit to say that, <laughs> uh, but I think Fuller is a fantastic receiver here, and we he's our wide receiver six in this format. Like. Being able to rotate him in in a, a format where we start up to four wide receivers is going to be absolutely fantastic on those weeks where Tyler Boyd goes five for 50. We get Fuller with his five for 150 and two scores, and we just plug him into our starting lineup. I love this. This wide receiver heavy start is how I typically begin a lot of my drafts, and I'm, I'm really glad you and I were kind of on that same board in terms of how we wanted to structure this team because I think I, I think overall, if we had like conflicting opinions there it might have been a much more rocky road and the, the final product not as clean as it looks right now yeah this was and this is also a spot where like by taking Lamar Jackson we were able to take Will Fuller here and you know I, I think that really worked out because we didn't have to worry about getting cut out of the tier two quarterbacks like the Joe Burrows the Jalen Hurts the Trey Lances the Trevor Lawrence's like we did or the Matt Ryan's like we didn't have to worry about that and that was really helpful having Lamar. You could, we could definitely play a little bit of chicken with quarterback. Now, we might have done it a little too far, but um, it's going to work out well for us, I think, just given how news broke after the draft. Let's talk about the, our 10th round pick. So we're over just first nine picks again. Henry, Ridley, Pitts, Moore, Lamar, Anderson, Boyd, Pittman, Fuller. Got six receivers. We're all but done at wide receiver here. Uh, we've got one stud tight end. We've got a stud quarterback. So this was, I think, probably our best pick in the entire draft because I think we read the room correctly here. Um, we only had one running back, and it would have been really easy for us to take Latavius Murray here in round 10. At the time, we didn't know that Tony Jones was going to be a thing. Uh, Latavius, we thought, was locked in 30 40% of the workload. And we did take him in round 11. But I think we knew that the tight end run was coming, and we could just set it off by taking a second one and really just locking down the purple in this tight end premium format. I like that. Locking down the purple. Yeah. Uh, and we got a purple guy, Irv Smith. I like that call. We saw in the uh, preseason already that like whenever Kirk Cousins is out there dropping back to pass, Irv is running routes. He's not in there to block right now, which is great, 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 great for his fantasy outlook. This is a really, really narrow concentration of targets in Minnesota. I'm excited. I think Irv can be that third receiving option here without a doubt. And if we see it, even just some of those heavy end zone targets that Adam Thielen saw last year. Translate Kyle over Rudolph first. saw? No, Adam Thielen, he led the league, I believe, in end zone targets last year. Uh, I know, but, like, Rudolph got a bunch, too. 
Yeah, yeah, him being gone is great as well. But uh, I, I think Irv is on the precipice of a breakout, and he's a, another like uber athletic tight end, really young, really really exciting prospect. Having Kyle Pitts and Irv Smith, oh, that's a sexy combo. Yeah, it really is, and we actually made it even better. But I just in, in this in this tight end premium formats, I want to be I want to win tight end because you know like you get yourself good. We have great wide receiver volume here, and like you know. Yeah, we've got a really good RB1. Like, Derrick Henry, if healthy, is going to touch the ball 350 times. So we've got that RB1. So all we have to do is find one running back. So but if, so if we can just have as many good wide receivers, as many good tight ends, PPR, one and a half PPR, you know, we just got to find one RB2. You know, we've got five or six cracks at it. So, um, yeah, I, I really like what we did with Irv Smith. We set off the tight end run, and it, it let us get some value at running back. It, at the time, Latavius Murray, I don't know. I'm still not buying this Latavius Murray nonsense. I don't want to call it nonsense. I just think that this is more motivational than, like, we're actually going to cut him. Right. I'm not entirely buying this either. I am throwing some late-round shots at Tony Jones in the event that it's coming to fruition, but I still think it's Latavius' job to lose. I I just have a hard time seeing them move on from Latavius and just because of some bad preseason showings. Like, he's 31 years old. He doesn't need to do well in the preseason. Like, he doesn't even need to get any run in the preseason. So I, I, I'm i not taking that with much of a grain of salt. <clears throat> salt. I'm just enjoying the discount on Latavius now, who was, like, a round 11 guy that you can probably get in round 14, 15 now. Yeah, like, they're going to keep Wayne Gallman as the third back over him? Like, really? Or not Wayne Gallman. No, no, um, no Devonta Freeman. Devonta Freeman. I was looking, I was thinking washed out Giants, and I, I the wrong one popped <laughs> in my head there. Um, so, yeah, I... I I mean, I wouldn't do that now. Like, I would have, you know, Gus Edwards was right. on the board. I would much rather take Gus, although he wasn't a great fit with Lamar. But even Kenyon Drake, I wouldn't have minded. Uh, so, yeah, obviously I think I would have – the Keem Nines who went the pick after us would probably have been better. But we could have set up another stack, too, with um, Carson Wentz. Uh, we could have done that as well. So, yeah, I think that this is okay, but – you know, we didn't have the information we do now when we made the pick. Right. This is what a month and a half ago. Yeah. So five, yeah, four or five weeks ago. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it's okay. Um, you know, but now it's it's a lot of green here. We're just pounding the running backs here. Um, Alexander Madison, uh, kind of the home run guy. If something happens to Dolphin Cook, obviously we we've got him. Um, James White, you know, kind of more of a receiving guy. Sony Michelle traded. Um, I, I was telling you, I just didn't think there was any way that Michelle started the season on the Pats roster. So that was a nice pick. And then what were we thinking when we took Evans with Henry? I don't know. I think this was a 1 a.m. call. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what we were thinking. Like, it clearly should have been Damian Williams. Like, what were we thinking? Or Geo. Like, or did he go right before us? He went right before us. Right. Yeah, reading the board wrong. Yep. Uh, yeah, we, we messed up on that one. There's no need for us to handcuff Derek Henry with Darrington Evans. That was a mistake. Yeah, that was not great. But we made up for it with the next pick. We did. We got really good value of the next pick. Um, So we finally took a seventh receiver, Jacoby Myers here. I mean, those, like, I I don't want to just, like, spend all this time on these running backs, right? Those are just darts and, you know. That's what they are, yeah, darts. J.D. McKissick, I like. If he had fallen, we would have taken him over James White. Um, You know, Gio Bernard, Damian Williams, Rashad Penny, Chubba Hubbard, um, you know, Sonny Michelle now. Devontae Booker, Malcolm Brown, they're all just kind of dart throws, right? You just got to find a guy. You just got to hit one spot. That's what right. we're looking for. Like five or five to six lottery tickets, hit one, 
and we're golden. You don't have to win the league in the regular season to move on. We just got to finish in the first couple spots. So we can we can fill, let the regular season play out its course, take some time. We just got to have it figured out by playoff time, week 14, 15, 16, 17. So um, I, I do like what we did here. So The individual selections aren't as important as the roster construction as a whole. Nope. So what we did here is grabbing those five or so running backs within a, a six-round spree right there. I think that's really smart. Um, and one thing that's also that's like really important about this format is it's only in its year two. Like the traditional FFPC format goes back five, five six years in terms of data that we have collected for it to look at win rates and things like that. This small, slim version of 18 rounds only goes back to last year. So there's a, a lot of information that I think people are drafting off of on a small sample basis. Last year, a COVID season where there was a record number of points being scored. So I, I don't want to take everything that we learned from the 2020 season and apply it just to 2021. Like going with different roster constructions, I think can be beneficial in this scenario where a lot of people are kind of anchoring around some early heavy running back builds. Yeah. So the other thing I want to mention is like Matt Ryan got sniped from us in round 11. We probably would have gone ahead and taken him to complete the stack there. Uh, so this was round 15, I think was the most intriguing pick we made the entire tournament. Because I think we had three or four very good options here. Jacoby Myers, uh, Brian Edwards, Sam Darnold, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I had all four graded way higher than a 15th round pick. I have all those guys at the time, like as 12th round guys. So this was intriguing because I we already had a, a few week 14s. We absolutely could have gone a different direction. But Myers is just going to be the past number one receiver. And it's just... You just don't get number ones in the 15th round very often. Right, and he's running the the valuable routes that we want to see in the preseason. He's running ins and slants while they're having Nelson Aguilar just run straight down the field doing goes. <laughs> like, Myers is going to be the one that we want to invest in for fantasy purposes. And last year, once he started getting starter snaps, week seven, from week seven through 17, he was the wide receiver 22. He was getting a lot of fantasy production, even though it wasn't always consistent. I imagine with Mac Jones, who I envision being the starter sooner rather than later, that Myers can become much more consistent and provide a higher floor and higher ceiling combination. Yep, and this also gave us a backdoor, too, because we already had lost Matt Ryan, and we, we kind of knew there was a chance we might lose Sam Darnold. It did set us up for that Mac Jones uh, backdoor stack with White and Myers if we needed it. Um, because, you know, once we started getting past and Tua was off the board, and, and we kind of realized that we're punting quarterback, too, as well at this point. Uh, so it, it did set up another backdoor for us if we needed it to complete a stack. Uh, didn't end up going that direction. I, I'm very happy we didn't, but it certainly was one that we could have considered. Um, round 16, we took our final running back, Chubba Hubbard. Um, again, if something happens to CMC, Chubba looks like now from the preseason got that number two role on lockdown and would kind of be a 65, 70% of the snap guy if something happened to CMC. That's exactly how I view it. I mean, this guy had 2,000 yards not too long ago, back in 2019, former 100 meter dash champion in uh, the Canadian what was it, high school sprinting national championships, this dude can book it. And uh, I really like him here, especially with CMC coming off injury. Like, everyone is so certain <laughs> that CMC is going to be playing the full season, but we just saw what happened last year with Mike Davis. And Chuba, Chuba excuse me, is going round 16? I don't get that. I think he's been suppressed in terms of ADP all offseason, and he's one of my highest-owned dart throw running backs here in this range because of that reason. Yeah, uh, yep. It, on this team, it was a perfect fit, uh, just giving us another crack at the apple. Uh, week 13 by, not so great, but, 
you know, we, we screwed that up already with Evans. Like, I'm not going to make a suboptimal pick because we screwed up one earlier. You know, if we had done Damian Williams like we should have, things would have looked a lot better bye week wise but oh well. Live mm. and learn, right? Maybe don't pick picks at one in the morning. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that was... Ugh. Oh well. Alright, so round 17, I, I think now this was probably the most intriguing pick we had. Obviously, we needed another quarterback. Uh, we had our options between Jameis Winston, Drew Locke, and Mac Jones. Uh, again, we did this a few weeks ago. So we, I think if we did this now, well, I guess we probably still would take Jameis, huh? That'd yeah, be probably close, I, wouldn't it? Still highest upside to me, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I was on lock. You wanted Winston, and I kind of let you have Winston. Um, I was like, oh, we can always get Drew Locke in the last round. It'll be fine. But uh, we didn't do that, thank God. And uh, Jameis now named the starter in New Orleans. Uh, don't have any pass catches of him, but... The days of round 17, Jameis Winston are long, long gone. Right, right. I just looked at some bets that I placed back in April or May. Uh, one for MVP, 66 to 1. He's now like 33 to 1. And comeback player of the year, it was 33 to 1. It's now like 16 to 1, I think. So those are all still been 16 to 1? I think so for comeback, yeah. Because Dak Ooh. is like a shoe in, I think. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, that, that's still, man. Yeah. I threw a half unit on. I figured it was worth it. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Thirty-three to one. I'm, I, I was thinking about sixteen to one. Still might be like, what happens if Dak gets hurt again? <laughs> gets hurt True. again, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jameis is going to throw for a bunch of touchdowns. So, yeah. Um, no, no complaints there. We needed a second quarterback. I think it worked out great for us. Round eighteen was so I was on the way back from darts, and you were kind of just like, oh, you want to take a quarterback? And I was just like, hey, I got a guy. You want a Yolo? You want to go completely off the board? And you were like, well, who do you got? And I said, Noah Gray. So backup tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. My case for Noah Gray is pretty simple. Every other first-round pick gets handcuffed by round 12, and Travis Kelsey's handcuff never gets taken. Ever. Why? I don't have a good answer for you. That's just one where I'm nodding, and I was like, "That I like this. I like this call. A lot, ch- lot of camp buzz. Was solid at Duke. Like, totally solid, but... Kind of has a lot of the Travis Kelsey similarities in terms of body type and, and kind of how he plays. Not he's not Travis Kelsey, but you know, for an 18th round flyer, if he gets like 50, 60 percent of the work of Kelsey, if Kelsey was to miss time, like okay, that's definitely flexible. Absolutely, and I mean everybody's been hyping him up in camp. Kelsey himself, <laughs> they've been all been talking about Noah Gray. Mahomes, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, they're all excited for what Noah Gray brings to the offense and I think at a minimum he can provide some sporadic performances but nothing that would break our starting lineup but in the event of a Kelsey injury that's really why you make this kind of investment and to differentiate who the heck has Noah Gray on their rosters in an 18 round format like this yeah no one no one no it's it's one of my favorite moves I've been doing it in a lot of the best ball tournaments is to take guys like Noah Gray super late uh, you know, DraftKings round 20, you know, uh, underdog round 18, just because, again, like, upside. It's all about upside. And guess what? What if the Chiefs have everything locked up? You know, like they're 16 and one, or they're 15 and one, and they've got the number one seed locked up. Maybe they sit Travis Kelsey week 17, you know? Or they're 14 and, or the, you know, they're 12 and three, and oh, you know, we're locked into the two seed. We, we can't get the one. Maybe they do rest in week 17, and then we get Noah Gray w- with $50,000 on the line. As a tight end one mm-hmm. for an 18th rounder, to me, I think it's a solid investment. So, 
yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with the team. The only thing I would really like to have back is Darrington Evans over Damian Williams. I think that was pretty egregious. I really just don't know what we were thinking. I agree. That one was just one that got away from us. I was going to do the write-up for this. Uh, our guys at Fantasy Data, they did a great video compilation of it. And I'm like, I don't know what to say about Darrington Evans, except for we screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I watched, I was like, I wonder what he did for this. I did all the odds for us, and he did all the evens. And I was like, I wonder what he did. And he's just like, yeah, we fucked this up. And I was like, yep, that is a totally <laughs> fair video description because that is exactly what we did we screwed it up there is that's a good point though um it's five and a half hours have you watched the whole thing i have not <laughs> i've forwarded to ours pretty much I, I looked at all of our clips and then I, I i watched the first round i think and then that was about it i watched the first two rounds and then i watched the guys before and after us because there was a couple times we got sniped and i was just like how the hell did we get sniped on player x and you mm -hmm. listen to the logic and you're just like most of the time, you're less nodding, like, all right, fine, you like the player. But there's once or twice, I'm just like, oh, come on, you didn't even like the guy. <laughs> I'm looking at you, like, it was the Geo one. And he's just like, ah, I just need another guy. And, you know, I, I could, it was close between him and a wide receiver. And I was like, why didn't you just take the wide receiver then? We need a Geo, you know? Um, so, yeah, uh, it's fun, though. Um, I'll, I'll include that, too, in the description, too. That's a good point. Uh, so I'll put that as well in the podcast description. Any other pieces of fantasy advice you want to give the people? It's a big draft weekend. You know, it's so busy that my my breaks are from drafting are a draft podcast. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I was doing preseason uh, video chat earlier for this. And then uh, in our fantasy guru chat room as well, I've been bouncing back and forth between the two. Um, I guess one advice I would offer is uh, trying to leave your drafts if you can with an elite tight end. Like there's such a huge difference maker in being a, a guy with a have versus a have not with a Kelsey, a Waller or a Kittle. And I, I just think it's really, really smart to leave your drafts with one of these heavy hitters, guys that can be a consistent performer there while everyone else is trying to get by with like an Irv Smith or a Mike Jacecki. Like we like Irv Smith in this format, sure. But in a, in a redraft format where it's not tight end premium, you'll be scratching your head whenever you have like a, a six point performance and Kelsey goes for 25. Yeah, I love my, I love me some elite tight ends. Yeah, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, and Pitts. I, 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 I am just... I'm big on the elite tight ends. I use more draft yep. capital on tight ends than I think just about anybody. I, I, I just I think that they're a huge difference maker. I think especially in the way we're drafting now with wide receiver heavy and running back darts over large volume, the one consistent is that if you can get an elite tight end, you're going to have an edge, and it makes it, it makes your margin of error finding an RB2 much – like if you have a stud tight end, you get an extra 10 points against the field. Like, okay, now your RB2 just kind of needs you to get to like 9 instead of – 15 exactly and that's why i love targeting guys like aj Dillon or jamal williams guys that i can pencil in for nine to ten points but in the event of an injury to the rb1 ahead of them on the depth chart these are guys that are capable of like 20 plus so i think just getting those baseline guys that are capable of 10 plus points and then the upside for much much more is huge like those are those are the ideal darts Totally, totally agree. All right, Tyler, I will let you get back to preseason and being in Fantasy Guru chat, just like you are. It feels like you never sleep. You're in there all the time. But uh, thanks for taking out the time, buddy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It was fun. I figured we had five hours of video on this draft. Let's do another 30, 45 minutes. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, it, it, it was good. I think it was good for the people to kind of listen to it. But yeah, if you want more content, don't you worry. There's plenty of content on this draft board. Uh, I'll, I'll include the link to a bunch of the guys over at Fantasy Data. It was fantastic. So, all right, that's it for episode 29. Episode 30, probably coming live from Vegas. I probably will be able to con again for one more football episode before the season. So stay tuned for that. And with that, guys, we'll see you next time.